Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Today on the program, we're talking with representatives of several arts organizations to hear how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting arts in Utah and how arts can help us during these times. Uh, we'll learn how arts and other organizations can apply for loans under the recently packed CARES, uh, passed rather CARES Act. And you'll uh, especially want to tune in uh, a little later in this uh, program for a big announcement from UPR, Cash Arts, and The Moth. Our guests in this uh, segment of the program include uh, Frank Mack, executive produce, uh, uh, producer of uh, the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Frank Mack, welcome to the program. Hi, good morning, Tom. Thank you. Good to have you on. Michael Ballum, founding general director of Utah Festival Opera and Musical Theater, joins us. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Tom. Hi, Frank. Good to, good to have you on. And in this segment, we also have Crystal Young-Otterstrom, executive director of Utah Cultural Alliance. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hi, Frank and Michael. <laughs> good to hi, Chris. Good morning. Good, good to have you on. Uh, good to have the arts community on here. Uh, let me start with uh, Michael Ballum. Um, I, I just want to go around the the panel to to start, and uh, just talk about what arts does for people. And and you might think, well, arts is uh, you know a lower priority, but uh, maybe it's especially important in these times. We have certainly discovered that the. Uh the information that's coming to us from our fans, are, they need us. They need us badly, and we're in a wonderful position. I'm more excited than I've been in years about the potential of what we can do. We've, uh, well, you know, in the Sunday in the Park with George, the first line is, the wonderful thing about a white canvas is there are so many possibilities. And this challenge that we've gone through has wiped the slate clean, and we have so many wonderful opportunities to use creativity to get us back influencing people's lives. If one thing that we have discovered with all of this is people want to get together and see an artistic experience. When that will happen, we'll find out Mm -hmm. as time goes on. But we do know how important it is for the quality of life for people. I was pleased when the governor said in one of his speeches last week, go out and get season tickets for next year. That pleased me that he would recognize how important it is for people's lives. That's, uh, that's the way people can help, I guess, uh, their, their favorite arts organization, get, get tickets. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, Michael, I'll ask each of our panelists here uh, this same question. So a follow-up. So art's important in people's lives. People are craving it and needing it, but... Arts usually means that we gather together, and in a time of social <laughs> yeah. distancing. So how do you how do you work through that? Uh, are we going to be able to have a season of Utah Festival Opera and Musical Theater? Well, that remains to be seen. The paramount issue for me it's about people more than economics. I want to make absolutely sure that if we bring people together, they will be safe, because we love our artists and we love our patrons. And that is supreme in my mind. Uh, the financial matters are another issue. But making sure people are safe is paramount. So we have not made an absolute decision yet. But overriding everything is for people to be safe in coming to meet together. Mm-hmm. I've never watched so many operas in my life. <laughs> uh, but alone in uh on television, the Mets broadcasting, and I've watched Broadway shows that are being broadcast. That's a lovely substitute. It's really lovely to see an Aida 
on television, uh, how much better it is if you can see it in person. So we look forward to the day when we can get together in person and share the experience. Well, I have to follow up. What What's your playlist for, for these times? What do you... <laughs> Somebody sitting at home can can watch an opera. What do you what do you suggest? Uh, I've watched everything the Met has set out. Uh, you know, every night they they stream another opera. I haven't seen all of them, but I it was wonderful for me to see the Wagner Ring, and I sat through Parsifal with no intermission, and I was in heaven. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a real opera fan. Sit through Parsifal for no 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 intermission. Yeah, all right. I almost started it over and watched it again. <laughs> uh, let me turn next to, to Frank back. Uh, so Utah Shakespeare Festival. It, it, talk to me first about uh, uh, how arts are needed in these times and what arts can do for people. Well, I think just as Michael was describing, it's one thing to be at home watching a lot of great stuff on television. But as humans, we're social. We need to be out. We need to be with people. And it's really underlined to me the very distinctive experience of live performance. When we're in a theater together, we're all watching it together, and it's a completely different experience and one that I think we recognize now more than ever has a distinctive and important value for us. Um, And... That has been that point has been brought home to me more than ever recently in this long, uneasy hibernation we're all in, that we need to get out and we need to be together again as soon as we can and as safely as we can uh, to experience, you know, these great works. I think for me and probably a lot of people, a dose of Shakespeare right now would be a really good remedy for a lot of what we're experiencing because Shakespeare is so amazing at helping us see ourselves in new and different ways. And one of the lines that rings out in my head over and over again is, my kingdom for a stage. I'm just so ready to be Mm -hmm. back and watching performances on a live stage again Mm -hmm. with an audience. But as Michael said, and we all know, we can only do that when it's safe to do that. Yeah. Uh, Will, do you think Utah Shakespeare Festival have a a season or seasons this year? We have announced our season. That'll begin July 20th. And we are planning performances, uh, starting with the Pirates of Penzance. Excuse me, July 9th, we're starting with Pirates of Penzance. And July 20th, we begin our Shakespeare season in our outdoor Ingolstadt Theater. And we're excited to be producing this summer, but it's all predicated on the instructions we get from the health department to make sure that it's safe for us to do that. If it's not safe by July 9th, we won't have the performance and we'll cancel them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ju- July 9th will be uh, kind of a cutoff time for a decision there. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll announce before then if we okay. have to cancel it, but if things are okay and the health department is giving us the instructions we need to ensure everybody's health and safety, then our first performance will begin July 9th with the Pirates of Penzance. So in the meantime, what do, what do you do? Uh, so so Michael Ballum is watching everything the Met ever produced. Uh, what, <laughs> what, uh, what, Frank Mack, what are you doing? A lot of uh, the same thing, a lot of 
binge watching, a lot of great, uh, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime series. There are some performances that are being broadcast from uh, the National Theater in London. Um, has a free broadcast available. I think it's still available of uh, James Corden in One Man Two Governors, which is a show we were planning to do this year but won't be doing. Um, and there's just this incredibly rich tapestry of stuff you can sort of watch on online and um, on broadcast and on various pay networks. But for me, after a while, you can only have so much of that. And there's this feeling that you've got to get back out into the world, into a situation with other humans. And that's why I crave, you know, the ability to be back together again in a live theater and a live performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully we will, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think we're all kind yeah. of get, getting cabin fever here, but uh, want everybody to be safe as well. Let me bring in uh, Crystal Young-Otterstrom with the Utah Cultural Alliance. Um, so first of all, tell us what cultural Utah Cultural Alliance is. Sure. We're the Industry Association for Arts, Culture, Entertainment, Museums, and Film as an industry. So we uh, put together career development to help our sector succeed, and including how to adapt to these ever-changing situations. We advocate on their behalf with elected officials, and uh, we also help to spread the word about what they're offering through tools like NowPlayingUtah.com, our cultural asset map, and we also measure uh, some of the economic and other benefits that Art and Humanities brings to Utah. Mm. I want to read a quote that you included, uh, your organization did in an email. You, you're, you're having, uh, I think you've had a couple of these, cultural COVID call-ins. Uh, uh, you did a survey as well, but you quote from uh, David Brooks, New York Times uh, columnist. Uh, I thought this was great. David Brooks says, Judging from my social network, the absence of social connection is making everyone more ardent for it. I uh, get talking about arts. People are geniuses at finding ways to touch each other even when they can't. On Twitter, I saw a picture of a house where an older lady was self-isolating. Two neighborhood kids put on a cello concert on her front porch. Have you noticed that music and art are already filling the emotional gaps left by the absence of direct human contact? That's, uh, that's, that's a powerful quote from David Brooks. It is. It makes me cry, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've been seeing the, this as well, you know, um, uh, people putting on impromptu little performances for people who are, who are isolating. I, I wonder if you've seen this, uh, Crystal. Absolutely. Uh, We actually have a little over 200 virtual offerings now that we're listing on nowplayutah.com forward slash virtual. You know, arts and humanities have always been there to help all of us process tragedy, process joy, experience the divine, connect with, with things greater than all of us individually. You know, there's nothing more powerful than when we come together in a live audience and a live group at museums to to experience culture. But while it's not the same thing in person, we can still participate individually in our homes. And so that's why we've, we've put together that listing of everything around the state, including a number of creative opportunities from from 
our our artists and humanities scholars around the state. Uh, so, uh, is the best way to help your favorite arts organizations purchasing tickets at this point? Is that the best way? There's a number of ways they can help. Uh, they can donate. They can purchase tickets for a future date. Uh, they can contribute to their online offerings. You know, there's there's dance classes daily. There's art lessons daily. Uh, there's been even some humorous takes to all this. You've probably seen people recreating famous paintings from home with items around their household that are pretty <laughs> hilarious. Uh, we've been promoting the hashtag UT culture from home to see what people are, are making and experiencing from their homes. Um, but they, you know, Every business needs revenue to survive. So if, if you really do care about our cultural organizations donating and purchasing tickets that you can use in the future or not asking for a refund for the concerts you've missed will really help them out. You just joined us. We're talking about arts in Utah and how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting arts, uh, how it's affecting all of us, how arts can help. Uh, later on, we'll be talking about how uh, arts organizations, other organizations can apply for loans under the CARES Act. And uh, we'll have a big announcement coming up in about 10 minutes uh, featuring uh, an event uh, coming up this fall from UPR, Cash Arts, and The Moth. We'll be talking with Wendy Hassan from Cash Arts and and uh, Sir Austin Jenis, who's the Moth executive producer. All right, now we have uh, with us Michael Ballum, who is founding general director of Utah Festival Opera and Musical Theater. Crystal Young Otterstrom is executive director of the Utah Cultural Alliance, and Frank Mack, executive producer of the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Uh, so, uh, Michael Ballum, uh, yes, I heard a little reaction from you when I mentioned that cello concert on the porch. Is that? Uh, <laughs> have you been seeing these as well? Not only seeing them, I've participated in them. I've been oh. using the telephone as a means of calling people and giving them a special song. I I uh, I like doing that. Um, I think that's a wonderful idea. What Crystal was talking about helping us in the future, the thought just occurred to me. Yesterday was that day in the year that wreaks fear in the hearts of every American when Uncle Sam uh, and the IRS want their reckoning. Uh, I usually wait to make my contributions towards the end of the year, and there are many arts organizations that I uh, support. I've done it earlier. I've started doing it already, thinking uh, they need my help more now than they will December 31st. Um, I'm going to give to them anyway. Why not give to them in a time when they're really needed? So I've tried to do my part in that regard. Yeah, that's a great we're idea. We're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. We're going to get through this, but we're going to get through it with creativity. We're not going to have business as usual ever again. We've got to build from the ground up the image that saved the Ellen Eccles Theater in Logan and started the, the genesis of what we now have four theaters on the same block was the image of the Phoenix. She rose out of the ashes better than before. And we are in ashes right now. We don't know how devastating it's going to end up being. But this gives us a wonderful opportunity to rise up even more powerfully than before this came to us. Hmm. We're already exercising creativity and coming up with ideas that we never thought about before. Things are going to be better when we get through all of this, because creativity is going to save us. Love 
for the arts, love for each other, love for this nation and this country and this state and our communities. And the arts do that better than anything. We're going to see the phoenix rise again better than before. Mm. Yeah, well well said, well said. Very very hopeful. I think that's a good way to, to look at it. We'll be different, but we can be better if we use creativity. Exactly. Uh, Frank Mack, what, uh, what uh, you, you've already been expressing expressing this, and I'm feeling it as well. I think all of us are uh, just a hunger to to come back together, and it, it, yeah, maybe we'll appreciate it more when we're able to. Totally, that's exactly where we are, um, and and Michael expressed it beautifully, and that's been our thinking here at the festival. You know, our dilemma was that it takes us to, a couple of months to rehearse and get a show ready to perform. So we had to decide now if we're going to have something ready for people to see this summer. If we could wait until the beginning of the summer and know how things are, then we would do that. But if we wait till the beginning of the summer, we won't know, or it'll be too late for us to have anything ready. So we sort of had to think creatively the way Michael was describing so that we could all come out of this together stronger in the end and our solution was to commit to doing a season now, expecting that things will improve by July, working with the health department along the way. And if they don't improve, we'll have to cancel. But if they are okay, we won't be looking at an empty art center when it turned out we possibly could have had something ready. And that's really a reflection of some creative thinking because we had to produce differently. We're not going to have the sets and costumes we usually build. We're going to have our actors in quarantine because they come from all over the country, and they'll have to spend their first two weeks rehearsing in quarantine. Um, we'll have to produce much differently than we typically do, but that's sort of a strength we're supposed to have as a creative arts organization, and we have navigated that and found a way that we think we can do it and I'll tell you, I think it'll bring a dimension of meaning to the work that we haven't seen before because it will have taken such a kind of epic undertaking to make sure that we're there when things are better, if they are better on time. And that's very important for us, not only because we have this need to express as artists, but also our artists that we work with, our audiences, and especially our community in Cedar City and the university we're part of, Southern Utah University, those things have all been there for us over the last 58 years, and it's critical for us to be there for them to the degree we can um, this summer. So there's a lot of creative thinking that has to go into this, but um, we think there's a solution, and we hope that we'll be able to be there in this summer when our audiences hopefully can come back, even if there's some conditions on, you know, sanitizing and masks and so forth. Um, we really hope that by this summer we'll be able to sort of emerge from this and start to experience Shakespeare, great musical theater again, um, because we're feeling that need so intensely now. Yeah, yeah, we definitely are, and I think we'll all be willing to, uh, you know, 
to accept some restriction. You know, if we wear masks to go to the theater, we'll we'll do it if if, if that's what it takes. Um, yeah, I think so. I would. I know that. Yeah. Uh, so just a couple of minutes left in the segment, Crystal Young Otterstrom. I wondered that you know the, the you're in touch with a lot of arts organization, a lot of artists, creative types. Um, what are you hearing from them? I, I guess the, the artists want to create art, right? And so some of them are. They are. They are actively participating from their the safety of their homes and humanities and arts. I mean, we've even seen the entire Utah Symphony do. Uh, uh, a recording of, of a Mozart symphony <laughs> individually from each of their homes, kind of an amazing technological feat to put together. But they're also hurting. They, you know, they're losing employment, they're losing gigs, and we have been grateful at the investment that the federal government has made into arts and humanities, and we are looking at similar investment from our state and regional and local elected officials as well. Uh, so how best do you, do you think to help, uh, you know, individual artists, uh, organizations? So we've, we've mentioned some ideas. Yeah, uh, you look for their stores online. They can still ship you pieces. They can still send you music. You can download music. You can download art. You can download books. Uh, you know, look for new ways to entertain yourself beyond just Netflix during this time. This is a time to really explore what's new. I mean, I am an extrovert. I am dying <laughs> through all this. Um, I can't wait to be out and celebrating with my fellow humans as we get to return to experiencing these great things together, but we can still participate in them individually. Yeah. Well, we're at the end of our uh, segment here. Uh, we appreciate you very much. And uh, Michael Ballum, founding director of Utah Festival Opera and Musical Theater. Um, you're, you're, you're still planning on a season, right? Uh, I'm more excited than I've been in years for the future. Yeah. As for our season this year, that that's a moving target. Mm -hmm. But I think we have an opportunity here to really grow and be creative, adjust and adapt and improvise. And uh, Frank Mack, uh, you're as you said, you're you're planning on a season from Utah Fest uh, Utah Shakespeare Festival. Yes, um, we uh, just announced that Monday, and we're very hopeful that the stars will align and we'll be, see a lot of recovery over the next three months, and that we'll be welcoming audiences beginning July 9th, hopefully. Uh, in Cedar City again. Yeah, well, let's hope. Crystal Young Otterson with uh, Utah Cultural Alliance. I'll give you the last word in this segment. Uh, uh, what would your suggestion to people be? My suggestion to everybody would be give yourself a challenge to find a new way to participate in arts and humanities this week and to financially support our nonprofits and artists while you do it. All right. Well, we we thank uh, each of you for for joining us for this segment, and good luck with everything. A pleasure. 
Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate it. You're listening to Access Utah. Coming up uh, later in the program, we'll be talking with uh, Warren Coons with the Cache Valley Chamber of Commerce and George Danes and Craig Mond from Cache Valley Bank. We had them on last week, Uh, brought them on again to remind people, especially arts organizations and uh, other organizations, how to apply for loans under the CARES Act, the uh, Paycheck Protection uh, Loans. Uh, Coming up following this break... We're going to be uh, talking with Wendy Hassan with uh, Cash Arts and Sarah Austin Jenis, uh, the Moth executive producer. More follows this. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members. And Devour Utah, a monthly magazine devoted to covering Utah's dining and drink scene, with a spotlight on cooking, local happenings, and libations. Available at newsstands or online at devourutah.com. Hi, this is Harley Barnes, a student reporter for Utah Public Radio. You hear me with updates during our daily Utah Public Radio newscasts. Timely and accurate information is critical, as is your support for Utah Public Radio. Take a moment now to donate to UPR. Begin by giving what you would typically spend to fuel your commute or spend on your daily coffee run. Your financial support makes it possible for us to continue coverage of COVID-19 rates in Utah, the changing economic trends, and response to rural Utah needs. Together, we can keep the information and the important conversations happening. We can't do it without you. Donate online at upr.org or through our UPR app. On the next Putumayo World Music Hour, we'll hear some of the mellower sounds on the European sonic landscape with acoustic balladeers from Italy, Scotland, Greece, and France. I'm Rosalie Howarth. Join us for Acoustic Europe, the next Putumayo World Music Hour. Join us Friday night at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. Um, Tom Williams, and we're talking about arts in Utah and how the coronavirus pandemic is uh, affecting all of us, and including your favorite arts organization. Uh, we're hoping things get back to normal as quickly as possible, but of course uh, we need to make sure everybody's healthy as well. Uh, Later in the program, we'll be talking about how uh, businesses and arts organizations can apply for uh, loans under the CARES Act. Right now, we uh, bring in uh, Wendy Hassan, Executive Director of Cash Arts. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. So happy to be here. Good uh, good morning. Thanks for joining us. And uh, Sarah Austin Jenis, who is Executive Producer of The Moth, is joining us. Thanks for joining us. Tom, thanks Hi. for having me on. Thanks, Hi. thanks for joining us. Well, uh, let's let's tease this uh, no further. Uh, Wendy, uh, I'll give you the honors. What uh, exciting, <laughs> exciting event coming up in the fall? I am delighted to announce that this October at the Cache Valley Center for the Arts at the Ellen Eccles Theater, we will be presenting the Moth story. Um, the oh goodness, I'm going to mess up the title of it because it's not the story hour. That's the one that's on on the radio because I've had it on my podcast for years. But we have been working on this partnership for a couple of years now and just dying to let everybody know that it's time for us to announce that we'll be having the moth at the Ellen Eccles Theater in Logan, Utah this October. So October 22nd, I believe, right? 
Absolutely. And this is a live main stage show. Uh, so, Sarah Austin Jettis, tell us what happens at uh, one of these events. Well, yes, we're so excited to be in um, Logan, Utah in the fall. And uh, Moth Main Stages are our unique storytelling nights where we have five storytellers um, who've worked and crafted their stories with a director ahead of time. And we always have some local voices, so we're excited to see um, who from Utah will be joining us on stage. Um, and the theme, the, the event will have a theme, and all the stories will somehow... Um, illuminate this theme. So the the evenings are filled with humor and heart, and everyone leaves the the night feeling a little bit more connected. So uh, you have these events, and then that is edited into the the radio program, right? To t- tell us briefly how that happens. Yeah, that's that's true. So we have about forty of these main stage events in the year. And we listen to everything that's told on stage, because remember, these stories are told live without any notes. So um, it's just the storyteller and you in the audience, almost like you would um, talk around a a dining room table. Um, And then we choose the story that will go out onto the Moth Radio Hour. And sometimes we have a live from episode, which means that all three stories in the hour will have been told at the same show. And sometimes it's terrific stories from many different programs throughout the year. But um, it's, it's truthfully just so exciting. And um, right now, as you know, we've had, to, we've had to pivot a bit during this pandemic. And um, last night we had our first virtual main stage. But we're excited in the fall to, to get back out there and to, to see all these new audience members. We miss everybody. How did the virtual main stage go? Oh, it was terrific. We were on pins and needles. We were wondering how it would it would play in the virtual space. But we had three storytellers, all brand new stories, um, and a wonderful host, John Good. The storytellers were signing in from um, uh, from Denver and one from Nebraska and from Atlanta and um, New York City. And it was great. We sold out in a very short amount of time. There were a 1,000 unique households from all over the country and, um, and actually three, three additional countries who tuned in. Um, and, you know, oddly enough, it still felt incredibly connective and intimate, and we laughed and we cried and People sent photographs in of them listening and watching with their families in their living rooms, and um, it was really a, a foray into a new world. Are, are you going to be doing more of these while we're social distancing? We hope so. We mm-hmm. hope so. Well, we we hope we we won't be social distancing for 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 too much longer. But as long as we need to stay safe and in our homes, we will p- be producing more of these these main stages. So yeah. last night was the pilot, and um, hopefully we'll be able to announce something something uh, new soon. Yeah. Uh, Wendy Hassan, uh, this uh, this event, October, this is an act of faith, right? We, well, we hope <laughs> we hope we're back to normal by then. We don't know 100%. Uh, but we're going forward, uh, October 22nd, Ellen Eccles Theater, the, the uh, Moth, uh, the live main stage event from the Moth. Uh, so tickets come available in the summer, do they? We may not put them on sale this year until a little more 
close to August just okay. because of the uncertainty and putting together the rest of our season. But we opened our 2021 calendar to put this on it. And so everybody can mark it on their calendars and start sending their good wishes that way. And in the meantime, I have a challenge for all of the listeners. We are living in really unique times. And just as we listen back to stories about compelling times, people in the future will wonder what we were doing now. Turn off the streaming. Turn off the games. Gather around a Zoom meeting or a go-to meeting or a telephone or if you're in a home with other people and do some storytelling. Do your own moth and start to capture these stories. And the Brigham City Museum of Art and History is actually going to be calling for stories as we get towards the end of our quarantine time. So this is a good time to put yourself in the shoes of the storytellers and look forward to our event in October. Here, here, yeah. um, True interaction, right? Not just consuming something. Right. Yeah. Um, We'll have to do it virtually still at this point, but but, but still. so uh, this is a big get, uh, Wendy Hassan. UPR was a part of this, but uh, <laughs> Cash Arts was driving this. This is exciting. <laughs> it's amazing, and we're very honored to have such a well-known and well-produced program in our in our very halls, and to have the just the amazing story that we hear through the stories, the, that true social connection. And in fact, Sarah made me think we've been using the term social distancing, but how great is it that if we're going through this time of, of having to be apart from each other, we have the internet, we have telephones, we have ways to still connect. And twice yesterday, someone used the, uh, people used the phrase physical distancing to me rather than social distancing, because I think we're finding ways to get that human connection that we're so they're so important to us. Yeah, very true, very true. Um, so, oh, yes, go ahead. I, I just, I love physical distancing instead of social distancing because you're right, connection is more important now than ever. Yeah. Uh, so, Sarah Austin Jenis, um, I think the tagline is true stories told live, right? It is, that's true. Um, so, where do you find the storytellers and, and for this event? In, in Logan, where how can people become a storyteller? So a, a few ways. Anyone who's interested in being considered for the show should go to our website, themoth.org, and pitch us a story. Um, you have about two minutes to record something right on our site. And um, the stories, again, are true. It's something that happened to you, some decision that you had to make, some moment of change. Um, moth stories are funny. They're somber. They can be bittersweet. They're usually filled with humor and heart. So really anything goes. Um, and we're looking for unique experiences. Um, and we'll go through all those pitches. We'll also be in touch with, um, with all of our partners to, to see if they can recommend um, folks who are close by. Um, and then we also pepper the cast with other stories that we found throughout the country that may hit the theme well, too, and complement the local tellers. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of like stitching a quilt you know, we find one storyteller and then the next, and then what are we missing, and and uh, we figure out the order from there. But it's a it's a beautiful event. We are so looking forward to this in October with you, and um, you know, can't wait to get moving on the cast. Uh, so, if people are interested in becoming a storyteller, themoth.org, and and do your do your pitch there. 
Exactly. Yeah, wonderful. And then are, are, is there help if you're selected? Do you, I know with TED Talks, you, you get a little help. To, to, yeah, to, yeah. So, so if, you're, if you're selected, um, well, we listen to all the pitches, and then we may call a few to start to craft the stories. Um, all of the storytellers on the main stage work one-on-one with one of the MOF directors. Like myself, there are um, about six others. Um, and so there is a director and a producer put onto each show. So we, one of us will be at the helm of this show in October. And um, we work one-on-one for for a while with each of the storytellers to basically pull out all of the ingredients and, and put it back together so that the arc is clear and you're somewhere within the 10 to 12-minute time frame and, and you feel comfortable sharing some of these personal experiences. You know, there's a, a strong element of vulnerability and, and telling on yourself when you tell this kind of personal story. And so um, it does take a while to put together. But we are, uh, you know, we'll coach you through and hold your hand and um, give you all the extra confidence and boost that you need to, to get out there in front of these, um, these beautiful audiences. Yeah, quite the experience if you're selected as a storyteller, and a wonderful experience if you're in the audience as well. Uh, so, Wendy, Son, just a couple of minutes left in this segment. I want to uh, just check in general, uh, Cash Arts. How's Cash Arts doing? Uh, uh, have you had to cancel events at this point? We have, as has everyone else, and of course, with mass events, we were the first to be canceled, we'll be the last to be reinstated, and we've got a long runway. Moth is a perfect example, Shakespeare, perfect example. Uh, you know, it takes a while to get these things put together, but um, what we're finding is that people are really being wonderful about hanging in with us. The two touring shows we've been able to reschedule to the fall, Sons of the Pioneers, October um, 16th, and the Airplay on September 1st. And a lot of people are hearing what Crystal was talking about, about donating instead of refunding or asking for a gift certificate so that you you keep that, uh, keep yourself sort of in the mix and we're able to keep the lights on and keep people employed while we wait. While we wait for people to return, we are maintaining, organizing, deep cleaning. We may replace the stage floor, doing things that we can't do when we have folks in and out of the building so much. So we're trying to leverage the time and just agog at the creativity of all the arts groups in Cache Valley, in Utah, in finding ways to continue to deliver programming while we can't be together. So uh, donations always, and then, you know, purchasing season tickets, and uh, I guess all of that helps. Absolutely. And most importantly, when we can come back, please come back. And Mm -hmm. I would challenge everyone to go to one more thing than they would have otherwise gone to. If you haven't attended a company before, go for the first time. If you usually go to a lot, go to just one more thing so that we can bring our industry back. Mm -hmm. Um. And and uh, the moth. Um, so d- does the moth? Uh, do you take donations? What do you? Uh, what's your funding model? We do, we do. We're a not-for-profit arts organization as well, and um, have been asking some of our ticket buyers to do the same and to to repurpose their their support into general operating. And um, we we rely on um, on the love of our members and and our audience. And so, you know, these are tough times. But as Wendy said, that um, you know, we've really seen our community step up and um, and want to support, and we're forever grateful. 
Well, the the Moth, uh, right here on Utah Public Radio, Saturday evenings at six, and it's a wonderful program. And uh, so, Wendy, I'll 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 turn to you again for uh, for the exciting announcement again. Yes, that's right. This October 22nd at the Ellen Eccles Theater in Logan, Utah, we will be presenting The Moth, and we are so excited. Wonderful. And so tickets have uh, come available a little later on, but late, late summer, I guess. Yep. Um, great. And we'll be, UPR will be uh, hosting an exclusive Moth reception directly before the performance uh, for a UPR producer circle. Uh, so you can become a part of the UPR Producer Circle with a pledge of uh, $1,200. So you can go to upr.org. It's just $100 a month. Uh, so you can get a, a part of that exclusive um, Producer Circle reception ahead of the Moth. Of course, tickets to that, uh, the Moth event on October 22nd, Ellen Echoes Theater in Logan will be coming available uh, in uh, like like August. Uh, well, uh, thank you so much. We've been talking with uh, Sarah Austin Jenis, the Moth executive producer. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to Wendy, and thank you, Tom. And we're just thrilled about this and looking forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity for everybody. And uh, Wendy Hassan, Executive Director of Cash Arts, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Tom. Uh, following a break, we'll uh, learn once again how uh, organizations, including arts organizations, uh, can perhaps uh, get loans as a part of the CARES Act. We'll be talking with the representatives from Cash Valley Chamber of Commerce and from Cash Valley Bank. More following this break. Carrie Bringhurst here. Thursday, the College of Humanities and Social Sciences Alumni Lunch Series will feature Tom Williams and me, both graduates of USU's CHAZ, for an online conversation about Utah Public Radio and our coverage of COVID-19, as well as the role of media in covering a crisis. Learn how recent events have impacted journalists covering the news. Details on ways you can join us for this live conversation can be found at upr.org. So many things are different now. The complex and unprecedented crisis facing our country and the entire world has brought profound changes, upending almost everyone's life in an incredibly short time. Yet, some things remain unchanged, clearer than ever. We're all in this together. We'll solve this together. Accurate, trusted, and up-to-date information is invaluable. That's the heart of our public mission at Utah Public Radio. Keeping you well-informed has never been more important, especially in this enormous, consequential election year. As part of that mission, Utah Public Radio quickly expanded our coverage of the public health, economic, and social aspects of this crisis. It takes only a minute to strengthen Utah Public Radio with your donation now. But the power of your support will echo back to you every time you connect with Utah Public Radio in the months ahead. Thank you so much for your support online at upr.org. This hour we're talking about arts in Utah and uh, how arts, along with everything else and everyone else, is being affected by the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, we've heard from uh, representatives of various arts organizations. We've had our exciting announcement about the Moth event. That's again October 22nd, Ellen Echoes Theater, a Moth uh, main stage show. And uh, tickets come available in August uh, for that. A lot of opportunities for you. You could be a storyteller as well and uh, go to themoth.org uh, to, to apply. 
Um, so uh, right now, uh, to close the program, we thought we'd do the same we did with uh, our small businesses program last week. Bring on the same panel and talk about how organizations such as arts organizations can perhaps get some help. And so we bring back uh, George Danes and Craig Mond from Cash Valley Bank. Thank you, gentlemen. Well, we're happy to be here again. Thank and you. Talk more about this program. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. And Warren Coons from Cash Valley Chamber of Commerce is joining us again. Thank you. Good to be here, Tom. Uh, so, Warren uh, Coons, let me ch- uh, start with you. Um, maybe some ways that. Uh, Organizations such as arts organizations uh, need not be arts organization. Uh, whatever organization you're you're involved with, um, to to get some help during these times. Sure, we'll talk about three three um, bird's eye views of loans. One is actually only through noon today through the state, the GoEd uh, Governor's Office of Economic Development. It's called Utah Leads Together Small Business Bridge Loans. And that's noon today, so if you haven't done that, it's time. If you have fewer than 50 employees, for-profit or non-profit, um, you can get $5,000 to $20,000, zero interest for a five-year loan, and you can def- defer those payments for 12 months. That's a big deal. Uh, so um, l- l- let me pause the right there. So the deadline's noon today, so you be, people better yeah. get on that. <laughs> How to apply. Yes, they they need to go to, probably the easiest is coronavirus.utah.gov slash business. Coronavirus.utah.gov slash business. Slash business. Okay, great. Uh, What else is available? Then from the SBA, this is through the CARES Act, we have two different possible loans. Uh, The one is the Economic Injury Disaster Loans. We call it EIDL. And those are available for some nonprofits, not charitable organizations or religious, but some nonprofits. Um, and you have to be less than uh, fewer than 500 employees. That's 2.75% for nonprofits, duration up to 30 years. Some deferment is allowed there as well. And they offer a bridge loan program of $10,000 to cover immediate costs, which is forgiven if they follow certain criteria. Um, so that would be uh, going to COVID-19 relief dot sba dot gov covid nineteen relief dot sba dot gov okay and the third which george and and Craig will probably be talking about is is probably the most common and that's the paycheck protection program we'll call it the ppp loan uh, that's that's through the sba but you use local lenders that are approved by the sba most banks and credit unions are but you need to check that for sure um, once again, it's smaller, smaller than 500 employees. Sole proprietors can be uh, using this program, self-employed, freelance workers. Um, you uh, apply for a loan of 2.5%, sorry, 2.5% of your average monthly payroll. Um, interest is 1% for two years to for six months. So that's a great program, too. Yeah. Well, let me turn to George Danes. Uh, this Paycheck Protection uh, Loan, you, you've, uh, Cash Valley Bank, been processing a lot of these. Is uh, money still available under that? No, money mm. is not still available today. The money ran out at about, well, sometime right after midnight last night. So mm. um, we, we anticipate that Congress may add more money to the program. We think that's likely. But um, we're not sure. That's why our our teams at the bank were working. You drove by the bank last night. You would have seen our team. We were just determined to make sure all our all our applicants and customers uh, got their application through before the 
money ran out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I believe that we were able to accomplish that. I think our applications now are uh, are closed because we can't put any more in at the, uh, the present time. But uh, we have certainly put a lot of them through. We're, mm-hmm. Our total number of applications that have been approved are uh, 3,810. Wow. Yeah, we've got the final statistics. So, yeah, that's, that's, and, a, that's a problem. Uh, the total of $577 million has been um, allocated at our bank. Now, that's just one bank. There's, there's a number of other banks that are active in the program, but uh, we set a record for the number of loans we put through the system yesterday because we were determined to make sure that all of our customers and the other people that were working with us, that their applications, uh, we didn't want to leave anyone hanging. So we had our, our crews working into the night last night to process. Hmm. I would have liked to have seen that, the, the, the cars lined up there. So uh, you were able to process uh, quite a few. Um, so Craig Mon, as George said, that was going to be a follow-up question. Um, can people apply now in anticipation that Congress might allocate some more money? And I guess the answer is no. Wait until the Congress does it. Yeah, I think the best advice, Tom, that we have is to is to get an application package ready. Um, go through your numbers. Make sure you've got an application put together. But at this point, there's you know, there's not much we can do until we hear if Congress decides to approve more money. Yeah. Um, right now, they're, they're de- the debate uh, is around the $250 billion to add that they're looking to, to add to the fund, but I think they're just trying to work through the details and understand, you know, what that would look like. Yeah, and I guess the, the process will be in place if they do it again, because I imagine the same rules will, will apply. So, yeah, the, good advice. Yeah, I, I want to go caution you about that. Mm-hmm. We think that that may be the case, but we're not sure it'll be the case. So okay. There's been some discussion between the political pro- parties about making some changes in the program, and we don't know what those changes might be. We don't know if the same application form will, will be there. We think it will be. We would encourage people to assume that it will be exactly the same and prepare based upon that. But um, we really can't make an assurance of that. And that's part of the reason why we, we feel like we'd better kind of take a time out from um, taking in applications because it may well be that in some way the program is different and we, you know, it's just an ability to, to manage a situation where uh, we're not sure just what the rules will be. Mm-hmm. We hope they'll be the same. Yeah, yeah, that's good advice. Uh, you you never know what's gonna what's gonna come out of Congress, but hopefully some more money. Uh, so, Craig Mon, the advice would to any organization is uh, get your information ready uh, so you can you get in quick if some some new money does come out. Yeah, like like George said, I think that's the the best advice we can give right now is just you know assume things will be the same um, and prepare based on that. And if it changes, then 
then we'll adjust as soon as we know what the what the new requirements are, mm-hmm. if there are. In the meantime, that's yeah, that's a lot of a lot of work for you guys, and uh, so I'm, I'm glad you're able to process so many of these loans. Uh, let me uh, just a couple of minutes left. We'll close with Warren Coons uh, back to the Cash Valley Chamber of Commerce. So tell us again the 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 uh, the opportunities that are still available. One closes at uh, at noon, so we better get that out out there. Yes, that's through the state. That's a small business bridge loan, and again, nonprofits can apply for that as well. And that is at noon today for five thousand to twenty thousand. Also, the EIDL program, the Economic Injury Disaster Loans, through the SBA. That's directly through the SBA. And last I heard. Those funds were available, but the maximum changed from two million to fifteen thousand, so that has come down. But last I heard, that is still available. So, uh, tell us the contact points on those two loans. On the EIDL, um, that would be going to COVID nineteen relief. sba. gov, and then the state go to coronavirus. gov slash business. All right. Uh, and I guess George Danes and Craig Mon, uh, just uh, people keep in touch with Cash Valley Bank or or your uh, or your other banker um, for uh, you know, and and keep an eye on the news, right? For what Congress is going to do. Yes, and I would also encourage people to uh, stay in touch with their accountant. It's very helpful to use an accountant to make sure your numbers are right and you're ready. Yeah, good good advice as well. Well, we reached the end of our time. Thank you for this very useful information. Uh, George Danes and Craig Mon from Cash Valley Bank, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, Warren Coons from Cash Valley Chamber of Commerce, thank you. Thanks for having me on, Tom. And uh, thanks to everybody who uh, appeared in the program uh, today. Appreciate uh, all this uh, great information. Uh, and uh, stay tuned. With the spread of the coronavirus, many changes have had to be made to everyday life. But what hasn't changed is our need for your support. Between our social distancing here at the station and the need for our airwaves to be open to breaking news to keep you informed, we've had to change things up a bit from our regular spring member drive. But that doesn't mean you still can't show your support. You can donate today on upr.org and on our UPR app. This is Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM Logan. Also heard online at upr.org.